Man, so many pictures to go through. Where do I even start? I guess this is as good a place as any. It's time for another episode of Moto Albums. Buckle up, Verb Moto listeners, because this is about to get heavy. I'm talking about an awesome conversation with the one, the only, Jordan Post here on the Verb Pod Network. Why is it going to be really cool? Well, you're not going to find a more eccentric individual in the pro pits than a guy like Jordan Post, but you won't. You also won't find somebody who puts as much love and care into his projects as a guy like Jordan Post. So uh, sit back, relax, and uh, let myself and Jordan sort of go through some of the more iconic photos of his 2023 in order to give you a little bit of a peek behind the, the peek behind the curtain when it comes to professional motocross photography. Thanks so much for checking this episode out on the Verb Pod Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Moto Album here on the Verb Pod Network. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. We're throwing you guys a little bit of a curveball today because this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do Moto Albums to begin with. A little bit of theater of the mind, some of these amazing photos that are taken of this spectacular sport that we love so much. Honestly, I think sometimes the stars are behind the cameras, guys who are able to see a shot before it even really happens. They can be Johnny on the spot when their guys are coming over a jump or uh, hitting a corner just, just in a certain way, a la the Buckley Berm, uh, if you will. With us on the line, we've got a very talented photographer. You probably know him on Instagram as Post at Random, but I know him better as Jordan Post. Jordan, how's it going? How are you, my man? I'm doing very well, thank you. Dude, I'm doing so awesome. It has been way too long since you and I uh, were, were like in person together uh, at Loretta Lynn's. We were slogging through the mud. Uh, we were beating the heat, everything else in between. And uh, I couldn't help but notice that you got some of the most eye-catching photos, uh, not only at that e- event, but uh, yeah, you've been on my radar ever since. So uh, it's pretty incredible to see what you can do. Thank you for that. I'm very, like, first off, just thank you for having me here. And thank you for saying that. That's that's a lot to walk into right off the bat. Uh, Loretta's was fun, man. That's uh, honestly one of my absolute favorite amateur events to go to. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's right in, the, right in the dead center of going to the pro nationals. And it's, to me, it's another national. There's nothing different. There's, mm-hmm. it's just a week long national. I mean, all my friends are there. I get to see everybody and I, you could, cut that tension with a knife so that's thank you for saying you know all the all the nice and things <laughs> absolutely dude the kind words are meant from the bottom of my heart i truly truly mean that uh and i think you're totally right like as far as gravity or maybe the importance of an event um loretta lynn's is about as up there as it gets as far as like what your your annual calendar goes like basically the entire motocross world stops uh aside from maybe if there's a mxgp on the other side of the world but north america wise everything all eyes are on loretta's everyone wants to know how uh the super mini class went uh, how the uh the shaft drive kids are who who can who you can pick out of those names and who might end up winning 250b uh 10 years down the road um, but for a guy like yourself, who is on the other side of the lens, capturing all of this, um, how do you go about, like, like maybe you can give me your story about how the first time you went to Loretta's period, and uh, how do you develop the skill set to be able to be on the infield? Because that's not an easy job to get whatsoever. That's a privileged spot. It, it, well, yeah, it's privileged. It is not a right. It is 100% 
privilege. And I don't care how hard you think you work and how hard any of that, man, it's, there's no right to be out there. It's, it's all, what do you offer? What, what's your value? And going to Loretta's I'm this, I believe was my third one. Okay. I just kind of let them just kind of hit go, go, go. But <laughs> it's, it's extraordinary every year. And it's, it's mind blowing. I, uh, you know, I've found the best way to even make Loretta's work is where are you? You always need to be somewhere. You have to be helping. You have to be doing something. It's not one of those things that are just going to come by. And then all of a sudden you're just like, Hey, I think I'm gonna do Loretta's this year. And then jump on, like you take it as serious as any other racer out there. So going and building rapport and meeting people and seeing where you're needed, seeing needed, you need to show your value of why you're even needed to begin with. So it's a, uh, we're going, being able to, be privileged enough to go for the last I'd say three years has been remarkable and it's been built off just community hey you just hit the the nail on the head man uh they often say it's not what you know it's who you know but uh if you know those people and you don't bring anything to the table it doesn't do you much good you've been able to uh provide a lot of value for a lot of people at a place like Loretta's who um, let's be honest, there's, there's a lot of families that sort of like hinge their, like the, the success of the years to come on having maybe like, it doesn't even always have to be on the results, but if you can create great value for the companies that support you, that gives you a better chance at continuing to move those conversations forward and get that support going. Uh, and photography is a big portion of that, that like the art sport is so visual, especially on social media. Uh, if not for capturing yes. those image it doesn't really go right. Like uh, it's essentially you get the scarcity that existed in the eighties and the nineties and the two thousands where not, not like the, every event, there was a handful of photos from every event that uh, became a bit iconic, but um, like guys at the back of the pack or, or somebody who otherwise wouldn't be in front of the camera. They don't have that opportunity to show what they got. Yeah. I, I would love for everybody to know that like, if you race your best friend, is your media is what I believe because mm -hmm. I mean, say you have these sponsors and what do we always hear? It's so hard for this privateer. It's so hard for that privateer. Okay, man. Well, it looks like you have a lot of sponsors. It looks like you do a lot of things. Get with somebody who does media, teach them what they can know. And then you guys play off each other and say, Hey, you have a goggle company. Cool. Let's, let's hit that one first. Then let's, let's hit the, the gear. Then let's hit, you know, what's on your bike. Who's doing your graphics? Who's who does a podcast around here? Who does a, a vlog? Who does? It's just jumping in there and getting it. And then, like, if you're racing, oh my gosh, what? If let's say you're your sponsor and you're like, oh, we need a little bit of help or support or anything. Okay, well, you hire one of these guys. And say, hey, this is our this is our point. We want to get this message across. This is it. And then you let them see what's going on. You tell them to go after and get it and work with them. And just don't just throw the money and be like, yeah, I want pictures of my kid. Get something out of it. Like work with it. Absolutely. And, and, and you, as well as I know, there are a ton of companies out there that struggle with even just content creation. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that just don't have a big backlog. Their, their, their cupboards aren't completely full of whether it's photo, uh, content or, uh, video content to be able to share. So if you're an athlete that can like put together a cool edit or some neat, product photos like especially if it's different than what the company's currently putting out that can be that little extra different kind of flavor that helps them with some sales add some extra exactly. value to either keep that sponsor or uh you can if that say if you don't end up keeping that sponsor you can go on to another sponsor and be like hey this is what i was able to do for this company uh i was able to drive sales for those guys they don't have budget this year but i'd like to be able to do that for you 
yeah, that's a that's a big portion of uh, what allows certain race programs to be successful, right? Yes, one million percent. <laughs> There's a lot of cool stuff coming in right now, and I think that we're, you know, how can I say this? Nothing's about to be like, hey, this is what we need to go back to. I think we're about to walk into a new, and we just got through this like, oh, as soon as you know, like we've already we've already hit the fan, like we've already hit its heyday, we've already done this, we've already done that. Then look at everything. Everything is brand new, recorded. Like mm-hmm. everything seems brand new. Every mm-hmm. single thing that we're touching in this industry right now is new. And to kids that are at Loretta's, they know nothing to the riders that have been riding the outdoors for the last six, seven years. Mm-hmm. So everything to them is brand new. And I think yeah, we, we do have a mindset, new generation rolling through, don't we? We are in it, my man. We are in like all you got to do is exactly like look, look five, six years ahead. And then you're like, holy cow, like. I noticed it with Kate Johnson. Like I'm watching, I feel like he was just a little chipmunk when I met him. And then all of a sudden, like you seeing him now and you're like, he's a pretty tall chipmunk. He's a pretty tall chipmunk. (laughs) (laughs) There's just, there's so much to see. And there's so much like, yeah, if you want to see it as a rerun, maybe you're part of that rerun, you know, I don't know. But if you're seeing it as optimistic and new and that's what's real to you, then baby, hold on tight. Cause we're, we're going, we're going. Absolutely, my friend. Well, um, the, I guess the probably the the lowest hanging fruit question that I could possibly have for you is how does a guy get started in photography? Um, like, I, I would like to think that most photographers, they're like you guys all develop your talent, but I think there's at, with the one commonality between all of you is the the ability to see an, see a beautiful photo and re, not only recreate something quite like that, but also have an eye for what's going to be a great photo. Um, I think that like a portion of that is a, it's just an, it's an inherent skill. I don't know that it's always taught because you, as well as I know, having friends that can take good photos of you is a luxury. And like, uh, like that is maybe like two things, people, friends of yours that can take decent photos and friends of yours that can do it, give a decent speech at wedding. Hold on to those people like they like uh the room death because they are few and far between someone that can stand up at the microphone and not just be reading off of the cards like they're in grade eleven. Um but uh how how'd you get your start in uh in photography? I think you got uh maybe a little bit more unorthodox approach than most. Okay, so this is actually gonna be pretty funny, so thank you for asking it. Okay. When I wanted to take it serious, I didn't even go to Supercross yet. I'd never done anything, never once even dealt with a dirt bike. But what I did was I called racer X because I had been getting the magazines and obviously I'm a fan. So I was getting the magazines and I saw that there was all these contact information in the back. So I called up racer X and I was like, Hey, how do you get the front cover? And I asked it so broadly. And that's a whole other story on its own on being specific when you ask a question. But Mm -hmm. I asked, I was like, how do you get the front cover? And they were like, you win. And I was like, Oh, I meant like, to take it like how do you get the opportunity to take that front cover and the lady started laughing and she was like oh you know you just gotta like be at the races you need to work hard you need to meet people like you know and then maybe you'll come and I was like all right I didn't know anything better and so man I just the opportunities that have just come to me left and right without having any expectation I feel like I won this entire thing because it's, I have no expectation. I'm so, I'm so lucky and so 
privileged and so blessed that people are like, hey, you look like you can take a good picture. <laughs> Come take a picture of my kid. And I'm like, you know, and luckily the way I look, it's a good calling card. But it's uh, to get into it, to do it, you literally just got to have confidence. You got to mm-hmm. be able to know that like what you produce right now is not what you're going to be producing in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. It's going to get sharper. Oh, yeah. It, involuntarily. All you have to do is just keep doing it. And so all of a sudden you're like looking at your, your pictures and you're looking at things that you like looked up to. And one thing that I noticed, like when I was kind of catching on to like build that confidence, I was like, I'm going to make every single knob on every single tire look like it stopped time. That was like my big, big thing. And I still do it to this day. I, I love when other, I love other people's blurry and motion blur and all that. I think it's so cool for me. I want to just make you freeze. I just want to pull a sub zero on everybody and say, well, stop with me for a moment and realize this was a cool, this was a cool moment. So knowing that having your mission statement, uh, knowing you can't go into it blindsided. I went from being a welder in Austin and then I was like, I got an idea. I'm just going to take pictures for people. And like, People were like, oh, yeah, you, people are going to just pay you to go places and take pictures. And you're, yeah, and it was just, well. a, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. And hey, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. You're talking to a journeyman bricklayer from Winnipeg, <laughs> from nowhere, Canada. Really? Uh, yeah. No, I, I, and I still live in nowhere, Canada. And, uh, yeah, uh, nine years ago, I said, I'm, I'm going to make this podcast into something that people want to listen to. Um, and I don't, I've lost track of how many episodes I've put out. This is over 950. Um, yeah. and I knew, yeah, my first episode, I leave it up almost comically cause it's like a, it's, it's two and a half hours of like me rambling with one of the local guys. Cause I was like, just sort of trying to get some mileage before I interviewed anyone of note. And, uh, but I leave it up there as evidence that you can start where I started and, and you can, you can honestly live your dream of being on the infield at Loretta Lynn's arm in arm with Wes Williams from Verb Moto, uh, who is like half to blame for why I'm here in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. because I loved his stuff when like, well, I, the craziest thing about Wes is that like, I was looking up to Wes when I was like 14 and he was like 18. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, like that's that you just hit the nail on the head, man. Like it's, um, it's doing the work. And knowing that uh, it might not come right away, uh, but uh, yeah, you keep swinging. If the it axe. does, be afraid. Yeah, absolutely. So um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's great to hear that you've uh, uh, kind of climbed the ladder. And yeah, you're right. The you you do have a distinct look. There's not too many uh, guys out there with uh, the tattoos and the uh, yes. Um, but what you like your your look also gives off like an artistic flair. You're like, so that guy might have an eye for something that might, that other people might not see. So, uh, if that's what you're trying to communicate, mission accomplished. That's funny, man. I, it's, ah, oh, man. I always get asked, like, do you regret your tattoos? No, enough people regret them for me. So I just live. And <laughs> like, you know, like, it's weird. I don't really care about like the image that's mm-hmm. on them. I don't know why, but I feel, I feel like it breaks so many chains. Like, I feel like it automatically kicks you out of a line. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, well, if I'm already out here, I might as well do something amazing and like go for my goals in life and go. show that like, no matter what you go through, like you need to come out smiling. You need to come out like 
with your axe sharp still. And I love it. And I guess it's made me more, I guess I was like really insecure at a point in my life. Okay. And this has helped me so much. Just like, I don't know. It makes me feel more human. It makes me feel relatable to people who are, I feel like doing it anyway when they're going and they're getting their hair done and they're putting a bunch of makeup on and they're going and they're getting their suit on and they're all dressing up. I feel like it's, there's no different. I feel, I see nothing different in what we're doing because they're trying to look their best. And I guess as if you want to say artistic, I guess this is me attempting to look my best for what I think my best is to look. There you go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? I also want to like, one of the things I like about like everyone's an individual. You do certainly are one um, in not only appearance, but just in yeah. the, uh, your, your ideologies. But um, one of the things that might may help you along the way is there's a lot of people who may judge a book by its cover. And like get just getting to know you, you're a really, really great guy. You're like you're like super nice to talk to, super helpful, very friendly. Um, but the, I I'd be willing to bet that there's a certain segment of people who wouldn't be able to get past the tattoos or the or whatever else. And I I bet that actually saves you a lot of time dealing with some pretty shitty people. I'll say this, man. There's there's a bunch of them that don't like me, and um, it just goes to show that. They really don't have good taste, and that's okay. You can't get mad at everybody for not, you know, liking mangoes just because mm-hmm. they looked at a mango. But I, I would never switch lives with them. Yeah. Uh, never, because the people that have gone out of their way to, like, say something to me and, like, be, like, kind to me are people that I still annoy to this day, and they know who they are. And nice. I will pop out of nowhere and just annoy them because I'm so appreciative that they looked, yeah, they, they're the ones that make me feel normal. They're the ones that make me feel like I'm part of everything. And if mm. you see the harder I shine, I guarantee you somewhere right before that, somebody was like, you got this dog. And that's all I needed. Hell yeah, you absolutely do have this dog. Now, before I roll into some of these photos, uh, I need you to tell me, and I'll actually just start the, the slideshow here so we can uh, get, uh, get a better look at some nice artwork uh, and the the guy that is Jordan Post. Um, before we go through these photos, I want you to deliver a message to the the listeners. They'll, the, this will be also this will be on the Verb Pod Network, but this is all, also be on YouTube on Big MX Radio. Um, what makes what is the calling card of a Jordan Post photo? Because without a watermark, without anything, I I would know your work. Without, without, whether it's you posting it or if you happen to be working for Verb, like it's, there, there are some elements that I sort of pick out that I don't know if it's just like, it's the language, it's the flavor, I like it's, it's the spices that you use to create what you create. Um, what is, what is that recipe? Or at least in your opinion, what is that recipe that sort of like separates yourself? Uh, I guess you kind of clued in a little bit onto it with, uh, the knobbies being so crisp, but I'm sure there's some other intricacies as well. Yeah, it's it's simple, man. Like, let's just jump in it, man. It's a it's melancholy right off the bat. It's a moment that you know is gone. And with that being said, you respect that moment. And to get like a signature like that, I feel like all I did was mess up a bunch uh, so much that it became my style. And to like 
I think what will set it all apart is I, I've said this once before, but like right before like a race or something like that, I'm, I'm miserable to be near. I'm absolutely horrendous to be near. And it's because like, I'm, I'm walking near a thousand of these kids. I'm walking near so many of these people and I'm taking in every single emotion. And I just try to like live in that and feel it. And I don't care who I'm taking a picture of. I don't care. I can feel who you are and I can tell like if you're going through something, I don't know. I don't know what that connection is, but as soon as you pop that clutch, man, I'm with you. I want to go. I want to slam it. And those are the, I guess, just having value in what you want and getting after it. So my pictures are always just kind of like a vivid dream. I want people to look at it and kind of be like, I can't tell if I was there. That's how I remember it. That is how it looked. Like it was crazy. It was, it was just, it went so fast paced. I want you to feel like you have the flu at two o'clock in the morning and you feel really hot and you're feeling like you got a flash of anxiety, but you have a flash of little depression. But on top of it, you know that your confidence is there and you know that you're there for a reason and you mean something to this chaos. And that's literally what I. I guess I try to put into each of these photos. I think like... it's it's an attack on the senses, uh, predominantly, obviously, the visual one. Uh, but just the fact that you're able to kind of think outside the box as far as where to stand for photos, the angles that you use. I use this example. <clears throat> and uh, the first photo we're looking at here, it's, uh, I believe this is, if that, yeah, it's a 50 class, uh, the Cobras. Uh, that dominate this entire class. Um, <laughs> Every time, the well, the colors that are involved with this photo is absolutely like um, it's a photographer's dream. There's almost like there's no one on this the whole tr the whole photos is wearing black only. Uh, yes. Which I know I've, I've talked to guys like Brown Dog and he just he really he, he laments <laughs> when they just wear guys like me who wear black head to toe. Um, yeah. But tell me a little bit about, like, this is Loretta's, um, and, and like the fact that, like, we've got some foot, like, the, the, the guys in the front are almost like, the, as you get closer to the front of the pack, the bikes get clearer, which I think is kind of neat. Uh, I don't know if that was intended or not, but how do you, how do you capture something quite like this? Okay. So when I want to climb on to a photo like this, what I'll do is I know somebody's going to come up on that whole shot. I know someone's going to leave, but I'm more focused on where it says Loretta Lens because that's the reason we're there. That's who point. we are there to represent. And that's my main focus is making sure Loretta Lens looks phenomenal. So I put my focus on that. I'll put it in manual. I'll put everything just switched over to it, get my lens focused directly on it. And then as soon as that gate drops, I can just, I just wait for them. And right as I can see them coming in, I blur them out in my own eyes and I just focus on where it says Loretta lens. And as soon as it, boom, as soon as I got enough going in there, that's where it is. So anything that's going to be closer to us is going to automatically be blurry uh, in the mode that I shoot. And then that's just kind of like, I love being able to get foreground. I love being able to get layers. And so that's why you're seeing it affected that way. So yeah, with uh, with forty guys on there, forty two on the gate. There's about forty two layers uh, to this particular photo, uh, and like you're totally right. 
like Loretta Lynn's, like the, that signature is essentially the focal point of that photo. And yes. you've mentioned that you're shooting in, in manual. What does that mean to us non shutterbugs that, uh, that understand like sort of, I'm sure there's some people who have a Canon camera at home that might have like a running man, uh, uh, mode or something like that. Manual essentially means that you can, uh, you can affect the shutter speed, the ISO, all that fun stuff. Yeah, you're doing it all. And that's how you're going to get these pictures to look like this. You're, you're not going to do it in auto. You're not going to do it in, uh, autofocus. Like this is, this is a whole different taste. This is a different chef. This is, this is a, a look that, like, that you're creating on your own because you don't want different things to, you don't want anyone else. I don't even want my camera to suggest what I do. That's how much I like to do it myself. And, that's cool. Like to be able to do this, like I run a Canon 1DX, which is, I, I believe the one that I have, like I have the very first one and the very first one I believe came out in 2007. I was going to say, that's not a new camera body. I actually borrowed Brown Dog's 1DX one time. It's the greatest camera body. It's such a nice camera body. Yeah. Oh, I have two of them and I wouldn't trade them for the world because they're, they're just so the color pop, the color. I barely mess with color. When I do, I goes, usually I'm doing black and white. Mm-hmm. And like, so this is, I, I probably touched up a little, a couple things on this one, but it's, it's more just, that's Canon. That's Canon. That's popping that color, that, that, that's the one DX, the camera body. And then when you go to manual mode and you're the one that's switching everything, I take pictures. The reason people are, Hey man, can I see that picture? And I always, there hasn't been one person I've showed. I always say no, because if you look at it through my viewfinder, these pictures all look almost black. Yeah. None of these. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, that, that has always been a fear of mine. And someone being like, Hey man, I want to see it. Like right as you take it. It's like, no way San Jose. Like these are because I can, I can take like that darkness out and still show definition, but I can't go the reverse. I can't take it. Like if I took this picture at the same, like how it looks, how we see it, if I had those settings, you wouldn't be able to see anything. Oh my gosh, it would be, it would be a different type of art. Okay. And I'm just not trying to show that on this picture. <laughs> cool. Very, very neat. Um, no, I, I love this photo. Uh, it kind of encapsulates like the, the drive of every single one of these athletes towards, uh, their common goal. Uh, and obviously there can only be one winner and that's the kid at the very, very beginning. He'll at least get the whole shot in this moto. Lord knows if he uh, was able to complete the thing, but, uh, like we were all there for Loretta Lynn's. Uh, yes, moving on to the next photo. We're at Washougal. This is second moto 250 class. And, uh, for those, it, it, you'd have to be basically born under a rock to not know that that is, uh, the one, the only Austin Forkner, uh, yes, prior sir. to getting married. And, uh, yeah, you're actually getting a really good look at, uh, his innards and, uh, what the, what his rib cage looks like. Uh, but take us through this one. This one, man, I'm a huge Austin Fortner fan. So when I was watching him, when he was riding, it was just like, yes, 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 yes. And as soon as I saw him come off the line and he got eaten alive, I was like, no way. Don't want that picture. That's not it. I was like, and I just want to show like what this guy's like showing in his head. Like, what is it? What do I? And I was like, oh, you're halfway there. Like, you're not even, you're literally on like, cruise control and on top of that it doesn't even matter from there it's it's i have to get this done and i feel like that's exactly what this picture was representing i i love this picture so much because you can't see like the front of him you can't see the, like below him 
you can't see. There's so much that you can't see that you almost can relate with him more because mm-hmm. I bet you that's what he was feeling at that exact moment. Yeah. Like, like these guys, they ride with such, uh, they're almost on autopilot, especially when like they kind of see red, so to speak, when they go down, like it's just, I don't care. I got to get up front or I got to like salvage this moto. Uh, the only thing he's probably thinking of or the thing going through his mind is just the, the, the pain of having to deal with the, a side ripped up like that. And just the, the Jersey itself, like that is, that thing is beyond being a, a, a collector's item. Like I don't, there's not really much left from that Jersey. And it, it really goes to show how violent the sport can be when things go a little bit sideways. You think of like, look at the rest of the photo where everything is for the most part pristine, the sleeve nice and like it's perfectly put together, but only inches away is absolute mayhem. Mayhem. Like, and his chest protector. I love, I'm all for chest protectors. So please everybody always wear them. Yes, but sir. like, Oh, that, could you imagine just like that, that, those three bottom ribs right there mm-hmm. had to been just oh, burning. getting, oh. And the, oh. the chest protect, like you could tell that the chest protector must have moved slightly when, cause it's oh. like, it's not like the, the, the wound stops where the chest protector is. So every time that thing moved, oh. it's just scraping along. Oh, that is. All the sand but, and all the dirt oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. just rubbing it open just constantly. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, awesome. Just bleeding, just all that fun stuff. I will happen to note that uh I don't know, Jordan, the 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 knobbies on that uh that Dunlop. I don't know, like, they're not the the crispest dumb uh knobbies ever. <laughs> you got me there. But look at that jersey, dog. Nah, you can I'm tell just, where I'm my just focus giving you was. shit. Um but <laughs> he uh, was coming by in one millisecond. I was like, nope, I'm getting it. And yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Look at this. 100%. 100%. That's all good. Uh, all right. I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty more that we're going to look at here. Uh, that, uh, the, the, the knobbies are even more, uh, crisp. But yeah, the, the, the jersey itself is, is, is what we're looking at here. Um, have you, have you ever had an opportunity to work with, with Austin, like one on one, like to do a photo no. shoot with him or anything quite like that? You're, you're no, located in like... Texas and you kind of, you like, do you, do you stay close to home unless you're doing an event? Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. Yeah, but not by choice. <laughs> okay. I can, I'm, I love going anywhere at any moment. And, uh, Austin is definitely my, my home and I love being here. But like with all the like pros that I got out here, oh my gosh, I, the time, the guy that I think I spend the most with that is out here is Andrew Short. And Jordy's a good guy. Uh, what a cool guy to have, like just a local, huh? Right. So huge fan of that. Now we just need Austin Fortner to move to Austin and then it'd make more sense. So it would. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He needs an Austin address. Um, I've never seen a picture of Bigfoot at a motocross track, but this is Godzilla. Um, he's looking a little bit Michelin manish in this particular photo. Um, but what I can tell you is that those knobbies are about as crisp as crisp gets, uh, as well as those. So leaves. funny. Uh, in the background, uh, Barsha here running the scoop tire. Uh, I'm actually struggling to figure out which track this is. Oh, really? This is Godzilla uh, from Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, like, I haven't been to Iron Man, so that's probably why I didn't, didn't notice that one. But, uh, yeah, like Barsha, maybe one of the more spectacular guys to take photos of. He's just so active on the bike, right? And, I, that is my like thing I say, like, it's not, <laughs> I know it sucks when Barsha doesn't ride 
it sucks even more when you don't get to have a picture that you know you were going to be proud of because he was going to ride. That's what sucks the most is like, he is the most fun. If you're feeling down on your pictures and you're feeling down on your video, as soon as you get to that Barsha clip or that Barsha photo, all your photos are going to look good from there because that's his style is unmatched. And look, like, he made my he made this picture look cool and he didn't even know he was doing it. And it's like it literally looks like he's like running away from Godzilla, like like he's just barely making it out of there. And he's just the coolest man. There's no one cooler than Barsha. Now, what uh what makes a one photo more of a candidate for black and white over another photo? Uh like obviously this photo would have been like pretty spectacular uh if it was colorized as well. Green uh like the Godzilla and then the the red, the blue, the white sort of on the the backdrop of the the treed section in the back section here. Uh why did you choose to do this one in black and white? Usually it's 100% my mood. Okay. Uh like I said I get real emotional when there's like big things like this happening and when I see something that's unique usually I want to put it in black and white for that melancholy aspect of saying like hey man slow it down a little bit and take how serious this really is like this is a cool cool moment and I'm very inspired by 80s motocross and very and oh my gosh, I think those are the coolest pictures in the world. And that's how I feel like this black and white is, where it's almost got a octant gray um kind of like phase over it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's as close as 35 millimeter as I can get it. And what you're seeing is me paying homage to like Davy Coombs' old pictures. Yeah. And because that's what that is. Like if you look at that picture and then you look at another one and you go, this is literally just a different format like he used the dslr this is supposed to be for cycle news in this was just for my own game <laughs> no i know i mean like if you if, if you're in ni- 1984 this yeah for uh, submitting this to cycle news for uh this is exactly for a race report yeah absolutely exactly. i think you're right um and like so is it is the easy answer to this question kent howerton or who would have been a like a, a rider from the 80s that you would have loved to shoot that you obviously didn't get a chance to Oh my gosh. We asked the tough questions here. I I would have to say the same thing I'd have to say about the generation now. There's nobody. It would, it's all of them. It's whoever I was feeling the most. Like, sure, you have everybody from the, the greatest eras, but it's like, would I have even jived with them? Have I would I have been able to feel that you get what I'm saying with Barsha? Yeah. You you know what you're getting with Barsha. As soon as he's on that bike, you're like Oh, dude, I'm not going to even get my little away a wild child. Like, yeah. Yep. So I guess I would have to be there. I, yeah, I don't know. It's so funny to go to whether you're at like a national or supercross and like you've been to a ton of them. I've been to a ton of them. You watch these guys on like, I wouldn't say their parade lap, but they like go out for like the first lap or two of free practice when they're sort of just like checking things out. Like they don't quite like they, they don't quite just like pin it. And you get guys like, let's say like Cooper Webb, who's like very upright. Like it's one of the only times throughout the day where he's actually sort of up out of the saddle, whereas mm-hmm. everywhere else he's sort of, uh, uh, like kind of like hunched over, uh, in, in attack mode. Barsha for the first five minutes of maybe every session that's not like an actual qualifying session, 
he throws the bike around. It's he's throws so it. much. You know, he's just like he just like oh super cross triple yeah and just sends it like and I, it's it's not that he's even putting on a show. I think he genuinely just loves riding his motorcycle and likes doing it in such a way. You know, there's something that I had to say about him, and it's like where he got like a lot of my respect is when I do like the press day on at Supercross, whenever it is, whatever, whatever it is, he's always present when it comes down to it. Like he's always up in the manager's tower. He's always looking at stuff. And it's like, that's why like I, I try to like rep him the way I do. He's a stylish. He's cool. He's easy to talk to. I love his attitude. I love when he gets mad. I love the way he treats people when he, when he feels that he's being unjust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but when you like cut it down, I feel like him and Deegan and Tomac are the only ones that I ever actually see walking the track, like walking it inch for inch, looking at every single thing. Okay. And and Ferrandez, I have to give that because him, uh, yeah, he definitely does one million percent. Neat. Now, was uh, it? I just I just said that that was neat. Uh, when it comes to taking pictures on track walk, like, are you attentive to guys who are are sort of like that, like, or like that you can sort of capture that thinking moment when they're like sort of dis- like dissecting a, a rhythm lane or kind of sorting out how a, how a bull berm is going to sort sort itself out. Oh, hands down, I that, and then I wait until they're they're not thinking motocross anymore. And you can tell that they're just taking a moment. And those are my favorite photos, my lifestyle photos, just the candid look. I wait until they're, they're all done because one thing, and I'm not knocking any photographers or any videographers because I love everybody, mm-hmm. but I absolutely can't stand where there's already a flock of people standing. And I definitely don't want to take the same picture that everybody's already going to take. So it's, it's hard. It's, I want to get, you know, Chase Sexton and his Oakleys, but I don't want to do it when he's standing on top of a whoop pointing, you know, out towards that way. Like it's, I want something different. And I just sit there and I'll just wait. I'll wait till he's with fans. I'll wait until, you know, like those, those moments they come, but I feel like if I've already seen them, uh, the, anyone else can go get them. You're going to see that picture. You don't need me to do it. You don't need me getting a picture of, you know, Deegan tripling anything. Why? There's going to be a hundred of them already. I I want when Deegan is hugging his dad, I want like just different ones, but I mean, there's a million of those, but just like it, there's a time and a place, time and a place. Totally agree. And and that is very difficult on say like at, at a supercross where you get those, I don't have one with me right now, but like you, you get the, the printout of where you're allowed to stand and where you're not allowed oh, to my stand. God. And there's so much more red than there is green. <laughs> <laughs> your, your your skill is the what drives our sport. By yeah. the way, you can't stand anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're you're are, if, yeah, if not for you capturing this, we get nothing. But also, <laughs> you have uh, a lens that can go from here to the airport. <laughs> yeah, no, that like uh, that that's an ever ending battle. But uh, it is difficult to get uh, unique photos at uh, at a Supercross. Um, but one thing that I, I I kind of always kind of kept in the back of my mind that. Uh, when I was talking to, uh, actually it wasn't even something that Wes told to me, but he was saying it to both Wade Rayner and, uh, one of the other filmers, uh, that we had with us. I think his name is Brett. Um, he said, if there's someone standing next to you while you're filming, move, move, like, like go get, go, go shoot another angle, go shoot another spot. Go like, 
I don't want what someone else is getting. I want what we're going to go get and like, so, and go like, and it, like, obviously like there's some good, some better spots that are better than others, but like go make a different spot. Good too. You know what I mean? That's, Find another way to, to capture something. Exactly. And that's like, there's only one spot that I think is that you can, we can all kind of have a bad picture and that's the finish line at high point. Any other track, any other, anything you should be able to get creative. That finish line at high point is the only excusable one that I feel. Is that it's a small jump, is it not? Yeah, it does that little like horseshoe. And then like, just goes over. Yeah. That's... It's like a little bump. <laughs> like Well, hey, you're at least you're not living in the eighties the and nineties where like eighty percent of the outdoor national tracks didn't even have a jump at the finish line. It was just a guy with <laughs> Uh, the it was just the AMA guy, and he would jump when the uh, the first place guy would go across, and he'd oh yeah, they did the whole thing. Um, oh man, we're on it. I call I call this photo the Clash of Clans because <laughs> this is this is like uh the this is a, a meeting of powers here. You have this is from I believe this is from Chicago. Uh no, uh maybe it is. What the first this one? Is, this is from the oh, this is from Charlotte. So yes. this is the the split start as it comes together. Uh, like Ty Master Pool, uh, God rest his 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 older brother who was an absolute stud on two yes. wheels. Um, very well, we probably should have been in this photo. Uh, for all intents and purposes. Um, but this the, this is all the heavies all in one shot. And actually, I think that this might be one uh 2023's worst moto that Jet Lawrence had. Period. I think he ended yes. up sixth in this race. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the first moto. Um, Barsh is in there, ch- twisting the throttle all chubby, chubby checkerish. Uh, you got AC in there. And of course, Phil with the brand new FTA gear. Tell me about this photo. Why you, why you chose this one over any others? I like this one because if you don't know what moto is, you don't know what the heck this means. Right. And <clears throat> SMX was very special to me. It was extremely special to me. Uh, I didn't get to work it the way I wanted to, but it, uh, this was, this was, this one meant a lot to me because I felt like we were all seeing something for the first time. I felt like it was something different. And though the first SMX round was, I think, absolutely insane, uh, it was something new. It was something creative. It was something where we're seeing all these things put together and you're seeing on a drag strip and you're seeing all these just dirt everywhere and, to be able to just watch all of these views that you obviously know came from like a roundabout and 180. Like if you don't know what motocross is, I feel like this is a perfect way to like say, maybe I'll watch this thing. Cause it's, you don't know what's going on. You don't know why all these people, all you know is that they're passionate. They're really serious about what they do and they're gonna, they're going for what is theirs. And with that being said, the second round was clearly the best round, but yeah, this was this was definitely the first one I loved. Well, every time you have a day race uh, and it's in the friendly confines of a, either a stadium or a, a, a speedway, I always say it takes a little bit off of the fastball that is uh, Supercross or Super Motocross. Um, it's an event that it almost as as long as you have proper lighting. It should be in the night. It just kind of gives that, like, I used to play football. You play Friday night lights underneath the, the lights. It just has a different feel than when you're snapping the ball at, uh, at, at two o'clock in the afternoon. I will also note that, uh, my good friend, uh, Colt Nichols seems to be creating his own cheater line at the oh, bottom no. of this photo. Um, 
I think if I'm not mistaken, he might have gotten the the better of uh, Mr. Lawrence on going into that very next straightaway. Although he might have checked up and just gotten passed by a few guys. Um, and then you've got uh, Shane McElrath at the bottom of this photo, likely getting one of the worst starts of his professional career. Um, one of the th- favorite things, I like, like I'm a big fan of black and white photography. Like you said, it makes you kind of stop and take a minute to kind of take in some of the intricacies because a black and white photo, I don't know if it just, it like it asks for a little bit more culture. It asks for a little bit more, like it's, uh, it kind of, um, just like when it, the difference between watching a movie and reading a book, like you have to take the time to sort of, it's the same story, but you have to take, when it comes to black and white photography, like you maybe stand and pause on it a little bit longer than you would have on a, on a, like if this, if this photo is in full color, it would almost, I wouldn't say like, because obviously it's two, two starts coming together. It is a little bit different, but if it was, if it was in full color, it almost looked like every other start photo, right? Where you have it's, like it's guys not- rolling through the corner uh and like a bunch of front number plates and guys charging through like that's i wouldn't say basic but that, that it's very common anyway um and but I, I like that approach here i really just like one thing i really like is that you pointed out i'm just going belly under it is we live in such a fast-paced time right now where no one will give 10 seconds to anything mm-hmm. i can get you to stop and look at a picture like there's people that will zoom in on my stuff and like, I love it. I, are you kidding? I'm like, I embrace it. I'm like, Hey man, I got you to slow down for more than 10 seconds to look at something that wasn't even moving. Like that's an accomplishment all on its own. Certainly. And like sort of to- totally side note, do you do uh, a lot of, or a lot of, or any video content? Like I know a lot of these cameras have the ability to do so, but are you strictly photos? No, I, so I have a C100, uh, and I film it, I film a bunch. I just like, I want to master one thing where I'm like, I mm-hmm. know that I've mastered this. I, I like film when it comes to skits. I like film when it comes to characters. I like film when it comes to like us coming up with something, having a plot, having everything, knowing character development. When it right. comes to just like an edit, I just don't know where to go because I take my pictures in such a way that it's like, I just want who's ever doing, who's ever given me the most. And when it comes to video, it's like, wait, it's not, it's the same, but it's not the same. And it's like, I want to just capture everybody who's doing great. And sometimes that just looks like a montage. It doesn't really look like it's trying to go anywhere. And I'd much rather like make a, make a couple short movies and do it from a, a motocross Rob Zombie type of point of view in the sense of just being like, we can do so much more with it. I feel like there's already so many people out there that make absolutely breathtaking videos, like take Danko Productions, take him for example. Like his stuff is absolutely insane over the top. And it's like, why would like, it's cool. It's cool. But like, he's, he's the master of that. Now, I would like to collab or do something within that, but I don't. I don't know. I just can't run with the bulls like I can with getting somebody to just stop and look at this picture. And I don't know. I, I absolutely love filming, though. I love filming. I just don't think that I'm in the arena when there's just so many that I would rather watch. 
I there's I would just rather watch. I'm more of a fan of people than wanting to be a part of the team when it comes to video. Fair enough. I think that that's something to be said for uh, admitting that maybe that's my, not my forte. Maybe one day, uh, but it currently uh, it isn't. And uh, yeah, pumped pumped on the the guys who do create some really really eye catching stuff. I think there's uh, there's not too many guys that have the ability to create. Uh, on the video and the photography side of things at like basically at the same level. Like, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? That, time, I think yeah. that's very difficult. And it honestly, it's also not cheap because you need to have, you have to have uh, good, good equipment on both ends of things. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, I think there's something to be said about uh, sticking to your core competencies. Um, Ooh, this is in full color. This is a bunch. This is, uh, racing through the start, um, charging forward. Um, there's actually a lot going on in this photo. Not and, yeah, there and, is, and not to be missed whatsoever is is Jet Lawrence on his way to uh, to winning another moto, but it almost didn't start the way yeah, uh, it didn't start the way he wanted it to whatsoever. Uh, side note, you have Brandon Ray on the uh on his Honda just on the outside, just wicking it. So, uh, take me through this one a little bit. There's a lot of dirt flying. Is this uh this is uh Southwick? This is Southwick, yeah, this is Southwick. This is Southwick, and I am laying on the ground. Yes. Right? Yes, you are. <clears throat> right after that initial hole shot, like, right right where the hole shot is, is right about where I am. I'm just in a ditch on the other side. So when they're over by the Southwick sign coming through that little rhythm section, I'm, like, hitted. I'm hitted. I'm hiding right in there. And this one was wild because, like, when you watch Jet, like, I thought everyone had saw that. And... I feel like there was a ton of people who never saw that. And I think that discredits him so much on his ability to ride a motorcycle, like dirt bike, anything like this guy. Look at like looking at this. No, he's looking at Sexton. He's not even worried about what he's doing at all. Yeah. And I don't know if you can see those knobs, but uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if you can see, you know, all that. <laughs> I can see it's the just... knobs. He's doing a, a two wheel slide is what he's doing with his head. If you, if you were standing on the stand, your head is basically like, I don't know, 18 inches about above the front fender. Uh, like, yeah. uh, this, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot to be coming through. And Southwick is absolutely one of my absolute favorite races of the of every single season every single year why's that the, well it's one it's the easiest to work every okay. <laughs> when you go build those track like when you have to go build everything and put everything up and stage everything on track crew and all that this is oh my gosh the, everything just goes in like butter and then when it rains it's hot rain yeah yeah it makes sense um yeah th- this is a track that it also it's not an overly big track like the like uh like you got to appreciate especially a place like uh, Loretta's where the footprint of the track is pretty minimal you're still going to put on a lot of steps but maybe not as many as you would at a place like Millville or um yeah like our uh like the the moon I mean Paula uh yeah that's Fox exactly Raceway. what it is oh it is the moon um but uh yeah th- this photo like honestly I, I love sand corn they just they make for great riding they make for great photography like it's it's the it makes a rock star out of everybody who everyone if you can send it into a corner and just grab a a bunch of throttle uh you're gonna kick up some sand and yeah look like a million bucks um this one's pretty neat though you also have 
uh, Aaron Plessinger, he's may, might be the clearest photo or clearest image in this particular in, sh- shot where he's sort of trying to get on the inside of Jet and and ho- hopefully sort of kind of square him up a little bit coming out of this corner. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this was a good moto for Aaron. This was. This was a phenomenal. And it's like looking at everybody, like looking at this picture now. See, this is why I love photography so much. It's just like I don't care who took this picture. I like that. Like, look at Masterpool. Look at Sexton. It's like this is one of those pictures that in two, three years when we're watching Deegan taking on uh, Jet Lawrence and we have ourselves a little Ricky Carmichael Bubba thing going on again. Yes, sir. Um, this, These are those pictures I feel like that are going to m- mean something by then. And I feel like this is a to-be-continued type of photo. I mean, having AC, having Anderson, having plus, I just, like, it's it's moving. It's moving from one era of moto to the next, and it's going left to right for it. And it's yeah. pretty cool. Especially if you consider the fact that uh, the 11 machine on the Suzuki, that's Kyle Chisholm, who turned pro in Canada in 2005, uh, on a carbureted steel framed, uh, 250F from Kawasaki that was basically, I think they'd made that just to boil over. Um, he's about 35 years old. And then, uh, you've got the youngster. I don't think, uh, when, what, what round is Southwick? Was that in August or July? Has to be July, right? Has to be July. So that's a, that's a 19 year old Jet Lawrence. Yeah. He's not yet 20 there. Uh, he's about to turn. Um, and, uh, and this, this base, this also, this photo also is like a culmination of, uh, Adam Cincerulo's 2023 season. Cause he's in there, but he's not really in there. Wow. Yeah. That's 1 million percent. Like it's, he's, uh, maybe not the best of starts from Adam. Honestly, I love, I, I have all the kinds of time in the world for Adam Cincerulo. He is, extremely talented he rides with so much heart i just i want to see good things happen for that kid uh the injuries and the 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 adversity that he's seen throughout his pro career is like that of 10 other careers you know what i mean like he he's had the adversity of 10 careers in 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 a, in a career that's not even done yet um like uh he's he's been up against it basically ever since he turned pro literally since he turned pro because he had food poisoning uh yeah. a couple weeks before his very first round um and yeah. his what that that show out year in 2019 mm-hmm. i feel like him and Forkner were just on fire together That's right and just d- dominating it one thing i really love about ac and he he actually like made me realize that a lot of these riders have like really good personalities. And that's another thing that I really tried breaking is uh, I feel like before, like when I first started, I feel like nobody took that helmet off. I felt like you couldn't, it was just about the racer. It was about the, the team. It was about that. It's like, then AC comes around and I have a picture of him and a bunch of other people at Ironman. And he gave like a really good, like spiritual, like bit about it. And it's, it's crazy. I feel like, you know, he influences so many people and I don't think he realizes it. And like, he's just his spiritualism, the way he goes about himself, the way he carries everything, the stuff that he tries to do with, with everybody keeping it lively, keeping this entire industry going. My, my hat's off to that guy in every, every aspect. I love, I love when he rides. I love when he talks, I love when he's whatever he's doing. I'm, I'm on board. I don't think that there's a more 
emotionally intelligent rider uh, in promo professional motocross than Adam C. and Cirillo. I think that like his ability to know what he's feeling and communicate that, and because uh, like I, I feel like like everybody has those feelings, they just maybe not be aware of it. Like he's he's able to be like, in the moment and communicate that with others, which is uh, a huge blessing to those who don't get to be in a position like uh, in, in a to be a member of one of these photos. Um, because he's, he allows fans to sort of come along for the ride with him, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Ah, my boy. The kitsch in, in, I, I probably, pro- like, if you had told him that when you dye your hair, the blue is going to come out kind of green and that the white is going to be more like yellow and the, the red is going to be more like pink. Uh, he may not have gone with this look, but at the same time, uh, like, this is an unmistakable photo from a young man who had himself an absolute day. Like he, he's, he's on uh, pro Circuit Kawasaki now, but this might be one of his favorite photos from his time over at star racing. Yamaha. It's, it's crazy. Cause like when kitchen and I met, we had to do an event, did uh, the team fried classic at South central and Texas in 2020. Okay. And we were together for a month and oh, watching him and just learning from him and just doing everything to seeing him go to Ponca to seeing him do spring a ding to go into now like then all of a sudden there red bud and everyone's screaming his name and I was just like that was a quick three years bro like that that went by insanely fast and like taking this picture was more of an emotional thing just because it was like seeing like other people just trying to reach out to him, just try to get his aura. Just, they're not trying to take anything from him. They're not trying to do anything. They're not even trying to get him to recognize him, mm-hmm. recognize them. They're, they literally just want themselves some Levi kitchen with his Mexican candy haircut looking thing that he has, but they love them some kitchen. Yeah, no, he, he's a very infectious uh, individual. He's a guy who, when things are going his way, uh, he's, he's like, um the his body language on the bike it's pretty infectious it, it's just you could tell he, he genuinely enjoys uh the role of being a professional motocross racer which i think is one of the coolest jobs in the world to have i actually have a lot of respect for any of the racers who genuinely make that occupation look like the job that it is i know there yes. are some trials and tribulations and there's downsides to every job but um the the guys who can really celebrate it, I think, are the guys who get the most out of it. And yeah, you're like this this one hand reaching out. That's not someone who's trying to like grab for the jersey. That's literally uh just a, a hand of a fan trying yep. to like sort of get his hands on the moment, so to speak. Um yep. which is very neat. And you tell me, does that matter if it's electric or if it's not electric? Like you're watching people passionate because when I, yeah. when I got into this whole thing, I just always thought it was two wheels forever. And that's, that's what these people are expressing. That's mm-hmm. what these people are invested in is the two wheels, not the sound, not anything else. These people are going because a man in this machine just went and dominated their goals. And that's what truly matters. That's what matters more than anything to me. For sure. I, I think the, the sport, sport in general is enjoyed by athletes that in all, in so many ways could have only have dreamed to be as skilled as the ones that they watch at the pro level. Like I'd say, uh, and a good number of, a good percentage of people who go to an outdoor national, 
uh, are people who competed themselves. Uh, they, they understand the, the perils of the sport in general, as well as just respect the skill set. Like they, they themselves, they go out in the same track and they spin a three minute lap time where these guys go two minute lap time. Like it's, it's, it's incredible to see what they're able to accomplish and the level of mastery that they're able to achieve. And in so many ways, the, the individuals around the sport, like the, the photographers like yourself are those same professionals and have that same level of mastery of their skill set. Um, and that's how you end up with photos like this is that you, you have to have a great photographer with great skills and, uh, and, and capturing the moment that can only be created by athletes like this. I think it's a cool kind of cross section there. Thank you. I, I actually have a question for you. Go for it. When did you know that like you wanted to do what you're doing right now and you were like, this is my life. This is, this is what I do. Uh, the first time I knew that I wanted to do this was actually, it was very interesting. Um, I was, I had dislocated my shoulder, uh, this is back in 2008. I dislocated my shoulder at a race in Thief River Falls, um, in the States. I think it's in North Dakota. And, uh, the very, the very next day I was in a sling. I was supposed to race, but I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't able to. And, uh, the promoter of the track was like, well, I like my announcer didn't show up today. Like, would you, would you announce like, you know, everybody's name for the most part. Uh, I'm like, well, I'll go up there and do my best Art Ekman. God rest his soul. Um, and I've, I've always just had a bit of an, a, a, a memory for facts, stats, dates, uh, small intricacies. And it was later that day I was talking to a fellow, it was a Canadian his name's Doug DeHaan. He went down and raced in the, in the uh, States throughout the 2000s a fair bit. Um, but I, I was just telling him about the first time I ever watched him race, which is, which is 2000 and, uh, 1999. It was actually this event right here, the uh, the, the Grunthal National 1999. He actually won the 125 class that day. Awesome. Um, and I told him about it. This was... Uh, this would have been over almost 10 years after that. And I was nine or 10 years old when, when I went to that race, but I was like, yeah, you won that race and you were on uh two wheel Kawasaki <laughs> and your teammates were these guys. Uh, and he's like, and, 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 uh, Blair Morgan was wearing an all orange helmet, which I thought that was kind of weird. And he's like looking at me like I had three heads and he goes yes. like Blair Morgan did wear an orange helmet that year. How the hell do you remember that? And I'm like, that I don't amazing. know, man, like. It's just like you're talking to a kid who could have only a dream to go as fast as you guys do. So I did my best to be able to remember uh, what it is I saw. So um, from that point forward, I was like, I, I have I have at least the interest to know these things and and remember them and be able to share it with people who maybe they didn't start watching at the same time I did. Uh, like they like I've always had that interest to go, go watch old races uh, for yep. the longest time. Uh, two reasons. I uh, probably couldn't afford cable. And secondly, I just love watching old races. I have a terabyte of old races here sitting around here somewhere. Yeah, I have it. I will, like, if you want, I can, I'll send you, if you send me a, uh, an external hard drive, I will send you races from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. 
uh, you name it. I've all the way up to 2016 when it was given to me, my, my good friend, uh, Tony Blazer. Um, so I just watch those. I like, I just plug them into my laptop. I plug my laptop into my, uh, my TV and I watch races from all types of, uh, years and this, that, and thing. And then what I do is if I really like that event, I go find the cycle news and I read about it. So yeah, I just, I'm total sick puppy when it comes to this stuff. And I, I, I would also love to be able to tell the story of what's not only what, what happened in yesteryear, but what's going on right now. And that's what we do at Burp Moto. You do a phenomenal job of it, my man. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Oh, hey, we're that. Hey, just good looking guy right there. Um, but yeah, man, that, that's sort of the genesis of what became like big MX radio. I started it in 2014. And honestly, it, it was, I've, I've told this story a number of times, maybe not on this, on the verb pod network, but essentially, uh, the idea behind it is that at the time I was a fan of the Pulp MX show. I, I'd listen to that all the time. Steve grew up maybe 20 minutes from where I'm living right now. And I would listen to his show and that at that time he was doing the race review show and he was doing pulp and that was it. So, and if you were an avid listener, you would have that show listened to by like Tuesday afternoon and you're out of podcasts to listen to. There was DMXS that they would do a podcast maybe every week or so, maybe two weeks. Uh, so they weren't as diligent and there was no, literally nothing else. So I was like, well, I have like I, there has to be more content. If, if I'm running into this problem, that means everyone's running into this problem. Like exactly. uh, I actually, I secretly also regret not starting a hockey podcast because at that point there was a grand total of zero podcasts about hockey. And so uh, oh yeah, and then now there's about fifty, and they actually do quite well. Um, but uh, yeah, like I'm I'm about as good with uh, '90s backup goalies uh, in the NHL than I am with uh, with Moto. But what would um, you have named it? Oh, that's that's putting me on the spot. Um, ah, fuck off. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> what would I have perfect. named it? I would have I would have called it. Uh, uh, probably have like something to do with like I'm a, I live on the prairies, so maybe it would have been. It would probably be like uh, like what would I have named it? We asked the tough ones around here. No kidding. That would, like, I, I'm trying to come I got up with one an more for you after this. Okay, perfect. Uh, I would have called it, um, this is great audio. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd call it penalty box talk. I and, love that. Yeah. We'll just call it, they'll call it penalty box talk. Um, and I would, yeah, I would interview like, athletes from 10 years 100 years ago and 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 to this day that'd be kind of cool what, what's your other question i hope i have a better if you answer could, for it. if you could tell anyone one thing about you without anything what would you want people to know about you i care nice i care more 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 than anything i care and and that's what fuels um, me wanting to do just about anything, like when it comes to when I stick my neck out for people, when I go ahead and I, I, I coordinate, uh, sponsorships for people when I do interviews, like I'm not doing interviews specifically to bring my, 
my audience content. I'm also doing it to, to tell the story of the subject that I'm on. Uh, I'm doing now, I do, I do podcasts to maybe like I, it's everyone's always in a different situation and everyone's situation is different. Maybe they really need a podcast to listen to today. Maybe they need to escape from what they're currently doing. Um, and, and when I approach a, a, a company to work with on for, for sales on the, on the podcast, I'm, I never approach, I never approach a sponsor because I want to make a sale. Yeah. I approach companies because I want their business to be more successful. And I think by working with me, their business will be more successful. Obviously I have to charge for that because I can't do this all for free. And like, in order for me to continue to do what I do, I do need to charge for that. But at the same time, like I want to be able to build businesses and say that this year we had more sales because we worked with Brad Gebhardt. That is uh, my number one goal for, for all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, I, I think, and the, and also kind of getting back to like the, the I care part of things is um, like, I, I often say I won't be outworked. I will not be outworked. And it's because how much I care about what I do. Um, that's what continues to fuel when, uh, like when other people would probably say, Hey, like, I don't want to do a podcast at that time. Uh, or it's not convenient. Um, I like when it was Adam Bailey from world supercross, he's 15 hours ahead of me. Uh, which means sometimes I have to call him at two o'clock in the morning and I'll gladly do it. Uh, Darn right. Because I, uh, yeah, I love this shit. And, uh, yeah, like it's, uh, I'm a night owl anyway. So if I was going to be up to two o'clock in the morning watching, uh, yeah, 78 Supercross, I might as well be up to two o'clock in the morning talking about, uh, World Supercross 2023. So that's it. That's, that's me. Cause you care. Yeah, man. I care. I care about this. I love stuff. that. Yes, sir. Jordan Post. Post at random. If you're not already following post at random, first of all, shame on you. Pull your your head out of your butt. Uh, and, uh, yeah, follow this guy, uh, because his journey is, uh, is not only spectacular, but visually it will be eye catching. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for making time for the show. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very grateful and just thankful to be able to get to know you a little better and be able to do this. So yeah, thank you. Final final message for any young, or maybe not even young, uh, any uh, aspiring photographer who one day would like to uh, maybe be on the infield of a uh, of Loretta Lynn's, or perhaps even uh, dial up Sean Brennan for a credential with uh, Monster Energy Supercross. All right, you ready for it? Go for it. <laughs> Life hits. Life hits really, 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 really hard. And if you're lucky enough you'll have enough backbone to get up. And if you can get up, man, you can get after it. You live a hundred times over. Each time that you fall into a mistake, it's because the future you has already learned how to do whatever mistake that you're running into at that moment. All you want to do is become the master. Now to understand, to become the master, you have to go through trials and tribulations. If you stay true and you stay to what you know, life has a funny way of working out. And Always believe and have like let your faith like guide everything. I don't know what anyone believes in. Um, if you think I'm winning, my faith is the only reason I'm winning, hands down. You could say it's luck. You could say it's anything. It's my faith. I know that, uh, hands down. Because when you feel like you're talking to something, but when you feel like you're being taken care of because of something, 
that's totally different. And whatever you believe in, believe in it more, give it your all, give it your love, especially if you're depressed, if you're manic, if you're sad, if you have anxiety, if you don't believe anything, you really don't care about your life, then cool. Challenge, challenge a belief, challenge it and tell it to love you. And over time, the more that you sacrifice stuff and give it love, see, see how it goes and uh, get yourself a notebook and let yourself know what you're grateful for every day. That's it will work. Love it, Jordan. Appreciate the time, my friend. We'll leave it right there. Now, if that doesn't get you all jazzed up to go get some throttle therapy, enjoy the sport, go out into your your garage and just give your motorcycle a big old hug, then I don't know what will. That was an hour and 10 minutes of, in my humble opinion, pure gold with Jordan Post. That was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as I did. And I hope that you'll be back for our next episode of Moto Album here on the Verb Pod Network. Thank you guys so much for checking these out. Thanks to uh, our friends over at the Winners Take Y'all podcast as well. Kevin Kelly and all the boys making you guys laugh as he uh, meanders around the sport of motocross and having way cooler guests uh, than I'm currently able to get. Although, I would say that Jordan Post is a pretty cool guy, not, not going to lie. And also, you can listen to the, spo- the Squad Pod uh, whenever you like. So that, that's an awesome podcast as well here on the Verb Pod Network. And one day, perhaps one day... Both Chase Stallo and Wes Williams will get together for another episode of the Vanilla Broadcast. But until then, I'm going to keep doing some of these and entertaining y'all with all of our podcasts, whether it's uh, the Grom Report or uh, Winners Take Y'all or even the Squad Pod. So enjoy the rest of your weekend wherever you're at. Hopefully you get some throttle therapy. Have yourselves a good one and be sure to go to verbmoto.com for all of your moto news. Take care. Bye.